Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. We are as God's offers a deep dive into the many sides of Stuart Brand, creator of the Whole Earth Catalog and influential member of Ken Kesey's the Merry Pranksters, and founder of the modern environmental movement. Brand's approach to his work and life influenced many, including Steve Jobs, who have gone on to shape our modern world. Now in his okay. 80s, he looks at, to leave a legacy for a long-term future with his efforts to resurrect ecosystems through de-extinction. It's a big part of the film, but there is so much more about this film to be admired and to learn about and learn from. The film is called... We are as gods, and we're joined today by the co-directors, David Alvarado and Jason Sutzberg. Jason and David, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. As I mentioned to you uh, before we got started, I grew up in this period of time. This was a very formative part of my life in terms of how I, my outlook on the on life. And I knew of Stuart Brand, but I didn't know so many of the things that are in your film. Tell me what got you started, what got you interested, and Jason Sussberg, let's start with you. I'll tell my version of the story, and then um, and then uh, David, I'm sure you have your own version, but also how we, you know, collaborated on this. Um, well, let me but, ask you, uh, how did you know about Stuart Brand? How did you come to know of him? Okay, so the origin story is I was in college um, at UC Santa Cruz. It was 2000, um, maybe 2001, and I was an 18-year-old. And uh, I went into this used bookstore and I saw an old copy of the Whole Earth Catalog. And I had the same reaction that you did, which is that I I opened up this catalog. I'm uh, a millennial, like uh, sort of on the older end of millennials. So I had no previous knowledge of this magazine. I saw the catalog for the first time, thumbed through the pages. And it, to me, it looked like a past representation of what the future could be. And so I was completely taken by it. I saw geodesic domes, uh, all sorts of, of things that you could do, model kits for building your own boats, all this, all these tools for going back to the land or just living a better, living a better future. And so it, it had, it, it was kind of steeped in futurism, uh, steeped in astronomy, um, you know, images of the earth, images of uh, stars. So it, for me, it was, it, it deeply resonated. And so I kind of put that in the back of my brain for a while. And then I, uh, a couple years later, had an opportunity to make a short film while David and I were in grad school on Stuart's collaborator on the whole earth catalog um, on the shelter section, this uh, gentleman named Lloyd Kahn, who is this hippie architect in uh, Bolinas who built these um, green houses. And so uh, I made a little portrait on him. And then when David and I really got thinking about this was after we had done, or maybe we were still producing our first film, uh, The Immortal is about these two life scientists that are trying to live forever. And while we were doing that, there was this notion- so casually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, live forever. That's what you do as a scientist. <laughs> Um, but while we were making that movie, there was this announcement by Stuart Brand and Ryan Phelan and George Church about a TEDx that was going to happen on the topic of de-extinction. And so when that happened, that's when 
I, uh, David and I got into high gear and we're like, this is the next movie. We should make a film on these folks bringing back the passenger pigeon. This is Stuart Brand. And then um, I think that was your introduction to Stuart, right, David? Or maybe it was Holder's Discipline. Really, the time that I actually engaged with him was the time you're talking about when we were finishing our first film and looking for the second one. Stuart's, Stuart's writings about de-extinction was immediately interesting to me. Um, and that kind of pulled me in. But I'd only heard of him uh, briefly before because I'm just a big science and tech nerd, have been for a while. Uh, when I was like 20 years old in college, I, I came across Stuart's name in uh, uh, one of the John Brockman books about the edge. And I kind of thought he was some kind of computer, had something to do with computers. You know, it didn't make a big impression on me because I didn't really see the catalog or look deeply into it. And then I'd also had a recent memory that I, I had a friend, <laughs> this is funny, I had a friend who, sold items from real estate uh, uh, sales as, for a living through college. And he's, he would always talk about the whole earth catalog as an example of a thing that would make something valuable, like a, an Aladdin lamp was popular item to sell on eBay because it was listed in the whole earth catalog and recommended by the whole earth catalog. So <laughs> when he said that, I was like, okay, there's some kind of catalog back in the sixties and that transfers to value now on selling things online. It, I, I did, I did, it didn't really register with me as an important thing to remember, but looking back, I do remember that. So those are my only two early, uh, um, to answer your question, those are the only two early times I heard about Stuart. And, and then it was de-extinction that really said, oh, okay, I want to look into what this guy's talking about. So that opened up the whole world that uh, for me. Uh, that became the film. I had never heard that story about the, yeah, the I, Aladdin I, lamp I, and I, real estate. That's you must have that must have burrowed into your memory and stayed there for a while before coming yeah, out. <laughs> it, well, nobody really asked me like the very first time because because really it's it's the the story of the book isn't all that interesting, but the story of de-extinction really is. But it, it is an extra one that's been kicking around there. Well, from what I see in the film, Stuart Brand seems to be an approachable person. He seems to be open to talking to people about ideas and sort of stimulating other people to consider the future and all kinds of different permutations of that. Did you write him? Did you meet him? How did you kind of connect with him to sit down with him for, for this project? David? Well, the first time the cold email to him was about um, the de-extinction project since he had just launched it. He was interested in, in promoting it. So we, we had um, pitched Time Magazine, who at the time was doing short videos online. So we had said, hey, we can do the, a sort of a, a short video segment about de-extinction as an idea. They liked the idea. And then we approached Stuart um, to produce that. So that's the first time we met him. And then from there, we would sort of uh, kind of, we kept in touch after doing that video. And it wasn't until we finished our next film about Bill Nye, the science guy, that we contacted Stuart and said, hey, we're doing, we're looking for our next project. We'd really like to consider having it to be about you. What would you think? And that sort of began these conversations. And Jason, how is he in terms of, in the film, we see him sit down uh, and he loves, it seems that he loves talking as a way of conveying ideas and kind of just an intellectually curious person. So what is it like to sit down with Stuart Brand? Is he, does he go on for two hours? Is he succinct? Is he, how is he as a sort of an interviewer? I mean, sorry, interviewee. Yeah, you know, he's a very private person. And so he uh, he's also a, a bit of an introvert, even though he's, you know, known for being this kind of uh, master of ceremony sort of figure, this 
guy who goes up in front of big audiences and organizes events like the acid tests or hackers conference or TEDx. He's a public figure very much. And he has this like salt seminar, seminar on long-term thinking for the long now. But at the same time, he, he's a very, he'd rather be reading. Um, he'd rather be in his study, uh, engaging with ideas and uh, writing his own books and writing his own ideas and corresponding with people on email and reading. Um, I mean, that's sort of his MO, especially on this sort of his um, winter months. Um, and, you know, at this point in his life, he's, he's reflective and thinking about his life, but he's at the same time, he's very introspective. Um, and, and likes the quiet solitude of a, of a library. But um, when when we engaged him, we caught him at a, a time when he was doing his book biography uh, by uh, John Markoff, and that just came out. It's called The Whole Earth, The Many Lives of Stuart Brand. And it's a fantastic book, and John did a bang-up job just getting every detail about Stuart's life from 1938 to today. Um, and so he was already thinking about his life in sort of a, in the in in a retrospective way, and he didn't want to write a an autobiography. And so when we came along, you know, he he was open to to, to talking about these uh, past experiences to, with us, and and uh, sort of thread the needle with the conversations that started with John and, um, you know, show off all the photos that he's accumulated, the films that he had shot and the chap many chapters of his life. But he, yeah, I think he, it took him a while for him to warm up to us. But once we got in with him, it was very uh, congenial and warm. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I think to this day, David and I consider Stuart to be a good friend of ours and we, we're going to consult with him when we're thinking about the future and, and how to go about these strange times. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a lifelong relationship that I think we have with him and uh, he, he's, he's a very warm, effusive person with us on camera. That's great to hear. Let's let go to the, the beginning of the film, the sort of the back to the future moment in terms of his career and life's work. The Extinction Project, in which he is sort of the high, the highest profile part of it is his attempt to bring back the woolly mammoth. Is that fair to if I'm am I being fair to that? That's kind of the centerpiece. Yeah. Go, yeah. go ahead, describe it, David. It, what it, what sure. is that well, project? It, it's funny. It's it's complicated um, because it's um, yeah, everything you said is true. It's essentially de-extinction, the idea of resurrecting extinct species, mostly ones that humans have caused uh, the extinction of, for example. Uh, like the woolly mammoth or the Tasmanian tiger. These are all animals that were killed off, at least in part, if not fully, because of human uh, activity. And so the idea is, yes, in, in, one, in one sense, that's a big news item. It can get attention and have people be either excited or at least talking about the idea. Should we bring back the Tasmanian tiger? Isn't it gone forever? Should we use biotech tools and, and push the edges in the frontier of science? Um, that, 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 that I think is in part, at least a way to promote, uh, the larger idea of using biotech tools as a means of conservation. So they're also, you know, very, very serious about 
saving endangered species using um, uh, these kinds of tools as well. So the question is complicated, but that's why we put it in a 90 minute film and hopefully the, the audience can walk away, not, not thinking one way or the other, but rather uh, wanting to learn more, wanting to have more of a discussion. Should we be using these tools? What is the responsibility of humans to uh, repair the, the damage in the ecosystems that we ourselves have caused? A very interesting part of the film for me is the culture in which Stuart Brand lives. Mm -hmm. uh, these people, many of them have been around each other for many years. They share kind of a common ideal about the future and the way that we need to be more attentive to the to our environment, and etc. And yet there's very spirited discussions and disagreements within what we see in the film, which I really appreciate it without being vitriolic or personal. There's just things that are said that are cutting and sharp and to the point. Mm -hmm. And yet this sort of environment with, that they've created over these many years of knowing one another and being honest with one another is refreshing. It's so interesting to watch spirited discussions with very serious disagreements where it doesn't turn into some kind of a knife fight. Yeah. And well, especially uh, in an era of Twitter, you know, uh, uh, firebrand kind of conversations you know we we wanted to have a more reasonable conversation where people are, are very intelligent disagree with one another and that the film's not trying to convince you of one thing or the other but i appreciated the fact that there's the one section in the film where they're at one of these debating societies where they're talking about should we be bringing species back and there's some very sharp exchanges over it and you can see kind of in the watching stewart's body language that he's a bit taken back by some of the things being said to him by people he's who are his friends but it's also in these things are too important to be taken serious to to be taken personally and that's the thing i came away from in watching that environment in which that ecosystem that he's created around him and the people that he trusts and works with and etc and may disagree with and i i think that comes out i'm going to editorialize here a little bit i think that comes out of the era in which he grew up the kind of hippie era of understanding trying to get a better understanding of the world or just there's something about that that uh, that ethos jason i i feel like i might be rambling here a little bit is that does that sound right is that it does or is it, do, you, do you agree or well, you know, we're kind of a bad, no, no, we're kind of a bad emissary for the baby boomers or the lost generation, which is what Stuart is. He's actually older than the baby boomers, yeah. but also, I mean, you know, David and I are millennials. And so it's hard for us to say exactly whether that's a cultural phenomenon because we didn't live through the sixties or the seventies, but I will say, I, I don't look at it as a generational thing. I just look at it as Stuart is a curious person who's intellectually uh, engaged and likes a spirited discussion um, based on you know who he is and and the curation of the catalog isn't a great example of that or in later on he did this magazine called Co-Evolution Quarterly where he would take people who had all sorts of different uh, ideas about something be it space colonies or uh, public health or computers and would have these discussions in, in the pages of the magazine so I I, I I you know I think it's more about Stuart. Uh, and I would say the whole earth worldview or the whole earth community than it is about say baby boomers or hippies um, in particular. I think it's a very That's neat a, group of people. And they're, I think very, it's a good point. I think, I think you're right. I think I over, overstated what I, what, what the vibe that I got from it, but it's, a, it's kind of a scientific method really in a way, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Challenge me. 
Yes, make exactly. sure that I'm right. Make sure what I'm saying is correct and 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 repeatable. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And Stewart is—he's a big—he's at, at at his basis. That's what he is. He's you know he's not a scientist, but he studied science and in, in college, and he's a skeptic. Um, and uh, he you know he's famous for saying a line: "Science is organized skepticism." And I I think Stewart practices what he preaches in that regard. I want to let our listeners know that as we are gods is being released through Greenwich Entertainment. You can go to their website and find out more about the film, but it's also been released through Amazon Prime and Apple iTunes, so it's available there. So you can check that out on those two platforms, and I am sure it's available on some other ones, so if those aren't available to you, you should check it out. It's just a wonderful film, and I believe we're at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, certainly very close to that, so another reason to run out and check it out. Let's go back a little bit in terms of just the things that Stuart was a part of, Stuart Brand was a part of. I mentioned in our introduction, part of Ken Kesey's Merry Pranksters. He was part of the beginning people's computer movement, if you will. We had IBM, Big Blue, looming over computers for decades. And along comes these disruptors like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and others who were trying to create a computer that was more about personal sensibilities, artistic sensibilities, and that, and he was a part of that. He was there. But let's talk a little bit about that, sort of his influence in these very interesting areas of the things that we now take for granted. We assume we're, all, we're always there. The early stages of the computer, personal computer. David, let's, let's talk about how he, how he had impacted that. Yeah, so he's a name, you know, when you think about Steve Jobs or Steve Wozniak or Alan Kay, people who are big in that kind of space in the different eras of, of computer history. Um, you know, it's only really um, the people who are really well studied who know Stuart Brand and his his role that he played. And in some ways, it's the same role that he played with the Merry Pranksters or even with De-Extinction Today, which is that he's not a computer programmer. He's not a He's, he's not exactly one of the people that he's promoting. He's more of, a, of an idea pusher. He wants to get people together to make them realize, oh, there's something happening here and, and, and we can all come together and, and do something together if, we, if only we organize ourselves. So he did that with the early hacker scene, the, the hackers being the people that were outside of the IBMs, the government institutions, sort of just the people that were playing with these things in their garage um, he was the one that make him think, oh, okay, well, maybe there's something here, a community that we can build around it. So he he created the first Hackers Conference in 1984, I think, wow. which is the year I was born. <laughs> so uh, I hadn't heard about it until I looked into this. And so it's an incredible story. Jason could say more about, about it. Yeah. So, I mean, he definitely, I mean, as David said, he's, he's someone who rallies, he's a, he's a, and more of a, a networker or a social entrepreneur that brings people together. There's a social layer that technology builds on top of, or that culture builds on top of. And, you know, Stuart is that social layer and he helps organize people. Um, yeah. The hackers conference was a, was a, was a watershed moment in our documentary. We show how it really kind of kickstarted the personal computer revolution. I, I, you know, this obviously predates us, as David mentioned, we, we weren't, you know, we were just uh, either in diapers or not born yet when this was going on. The, the world that we currently inhabit where the, where personal computers are available to individuals was sort of kicked off that very year. And something we didn't include in the documentary, that is a big part of Stewart's story is this social media company, you could call it sort of a proto Facebook or a proto Twitter was this company called the whole earth electronic link. 
and uh, the well. And, um, and that was, that was founded by Stuart. And so he was, as David said, not a computer programmer, but he was organizing it, thinking about it, was thinking about how computer, computers can be personal and how they can be used as tools to communicate uh, well ahead of a lot of other folks. And so he was borrowing from ideas, borrowing from other companies that were before him, but was sort of organizing it in a way and building the culture around it. I, I think that was his great gift was uh, re reading the room and reading um, cultural participation and less less about ones and zeros and more about the people that surround it. Yeah, as it was described in the film as a kind of a zealig, mm -hmm. an intellectual Johnny Appleseed, some of the descriptions I think um, fit him. I want to kind of step away from Stuart Brand uh, specifically and talk in more general terms about something that I think he's been a huge part of from the very beginning of, of his, if you call it career, his life in a, as a public figure. And that is the environment, and that is the world that we now occupy. And we, as we, you mentioned, extinction is something that is being openly discussed now, beginning to kind of seep into the public consciousness as a as a possibility for for our species, mm. and how people like Stewart and others we see in the film assembled kind of a framework for us to talk about this. I feel like what's lacking now, there's enough science data out there to understand just the damage that's being done to the planet. What I feel is lacking is the words, the language, the kind of the references for other people to understand the ramifications of all this. Yeah, well, like systems thinking, the bigger there picture, you, you know, and, and that was something too that Stuart has done. You know, one of the stories we told in the film that illuminates what you're saying perfectly is you know him wanting to get nasa to release the, the first photograph of the whole earth you know never before had they uh, even though they had some images at different points they never uh, nasa never thought it was important to show that you know an entire image of the entire disk of the earth you know not obscured by anything not part of the earth but just here's what planet earth looks like floating in space with a film camera um uh, it was something that he foresaw as something that would would unite us that would connect us in the systems thinking that you're talking about how are we all connected how can we start to have new conversations about how we're connected and Stuart knew before it was ever, ever seen by any public person that that would have an important effect and so his campaign to get that photo out is sort of uh, underlines you know his special role uh, as we see it and how others see it in doing exactly what you're saying and and the flag I love the flag Yes, the flag. Jason has one. I, I'm jealous because I, I don't know where to get them. <laughs> oh, I have an extra one. We 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 owe some. Uh, <laughs> oh, great. Stuart has to sign some of these. These are sort of swag we're supposed to participate uh, to ship off. So David, we'll oh. get you a flag for sure. Oh, that's um, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. The reaction from Stuart and the people in his life, the people that are in the film. What is what was Stuart's reaction to the film? Stuart seemed to really like it. I mean, he was, you know, what we, Jason and I make films that are profiles of people, uh, interesting people doing interesting things, usually in science. And, um, you know, you never know what reaction you're going to get because they don't have any creative control. They're, they're trusting their story with us. And we're, we, we, uh, in turn, um, know that the audience is trusting us to deliver, to deliver a well-rounded view of those people's lives. So, you know, we're critical of Stuart, um, through, through, yeah. um, people who disagree with them in the film. And so we didn't know what to expect, but he, he loved the film. He, he was fine with the pushback. 
you know, he obviously didn't agree with it, but that's the whole point. <laughs> so, you know, um, when, when he walked out of that first screening, after we picture locked, he seemed very happy with it. Um, we talked to him at great length and it was a good conversation. Um, the interesting thing is he, every time he watches it, he sees something new and he wants to bring up something else. So that, that that's been uh, an exciting part of showing him you know, such a detailed look at somebody's life. It's always some, some new piece that they didn't notice on, on the last viewing. Jason, um, obviously you, you both have a good relationship with Stuart. Uh, here's sort of your, 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 your thoughts on, on the film and the reaction to the film. Yeah. I mean, he, Stuart's seen the movie so many times. He's actually, you know, when we go to these public events, I'm usually, I usually sit for the credits or, you know, for the title sequence and I duck out and run to a bar and uh, <laughs> don't really come back until the credits because obviously we've worked on it and we're very close to this, but Stuart will sit through the film every single time. And as David said, he, he will bring things up and he, he's really careful on paying attention to the craft. Stuart is a generalist. Um, he, you know, he is somebody who was at one time a photographer himself, so he appreciates imagery. He did multimedia, so he understands film as a multimedia um, medium. But he's he's just he's so interested on 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 how it came together, on the structure, um, building the the various threads that we put together, what we let, what we kept in, what we left out, how we used music. He's kind of a craftsman appreciator, just like he was with architecture when he wrote how buildings learn or when he's appreciating how technology works like he just appreciates the craft and so anyways he he's he's very interested in in the film's success because this is his legacy story but there's also this aesthetic element yeah. that i think he gets tickled by and then also his close collaborator and friend Kevin Kelly also um is a super fan of documentary he, he wrote a book i think it's called hundred I can't even remember the name of the book actually but he's he's where he assembles great works of documentary and he has like a uh, a list of what makes a good documentary and so they they're people who the whole earth community and the people that are in the long now foundation they appreciate the craft of storytelling because that's what they are they're storytellers by building a clock by bringing back a mammoth by showing an image of a of of the of the earth you're trying to rally people around a story an image in a non-religious sense and so um you know they, they see the craft of documentary in that way well you, you thank you for that you've got some great people in the in the film to talk about and uh, talk about their relationship with stewart and we see in the film peter coyote winona Laduke. I'm a huge fan of Brian Eno. Thank you for bringing him into the conversation. Oh, yeah. Huge fan He's of great. him. He's great. And uh, the clock. Last thing. Just got a minute or so to go. Um, just real quick. To talk to us about, Jason, what's the clock about? The clock is an art project, but it's also a giant engineered clock. It's probably the largest clockworks in the world. It's basically in a mountain in West Texas. They carved out the entire core of this uh, mountain in the Diablo Valley mountain range and uh, in West Texas. And what they're doing is they're installing a functional clock that is supposed to last 10,000 years. And it's just amazing. And Stuart is involved in it. Um, uh, the engineers are Xander and Danny Hillis and Brian Eno designed the chimes. And so this clock is meant to make us think about our place in the cosmos and our place on earth and, and deep time. And so it's a pretty cool, uh, you know, art project that he, that they're it's working fantastic. on. That is so great. I want to thank both of you so much for spending some time with us talking about the brilliant, the 
forward thinking, curious mind of Stuart Brand. The film again is called We Are As Gods. We've been speaking with the co-directors. That would be David Alvarado, as well as Jason Susberg. Thank you so much. Come back anytime. Really appreciate this film and, I, and, and your work as well. So thank you so much. Thanks thank a lot. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.